Let's open our Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 7. We're going to start the 7th chapter of Ecclesiastes this evening. You know, some things in life are just better than others, right? A nice medium rare steak is a whole lot better than a hot dog. Right? A banana split is better than just a vanilla ice cream cone. What is wrong with this church? Oh my goodness. You're with me? Good. A banana split is much better than just a vanilla ice cream cone. If I had a Lamborghini, that would be a lot nicer than, you know, a van, right? I couldn't afford, I couldn't fit in it anyhow. Solomon gives us several things in this passage we're going to study tonight that are better than others. You know, the book of Hebrews tells us things are better than others. Jesus is better than angels. Jesus is better than uh, the law, Jesus, or the sacrifices. And, you know, they go through the whole book of Hebrews and we find Christ is better, right? So Solomon, as he's going through this whole book, comes now to this passage and says, there are certain things that are better than another. Now, he's not being a pessimist when he looks at these, but he shows us the reality of things. So let us not be trapped by the world's thinking, but learn to look at things the way God wants us to see them. So let's read the first 10 verses in Ecclesiastes chapter 7. A good name is better than precious ointment, and the day of death than the day of one's birth. There's one that some might think, well, that's pretty pessimistic. Your day of death is better than your day of birth. Well, yes, it is, but we'll talk about that in a moment. I mean, while we're alive, we celebrate our birthday, right? You know, so we kind of tend to think the opposite on that, but we'll explain that in a minute. Verse 2, it is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting, for that is the end of all men, and, and the living will lay it to his heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, for by the sadness of the countenance, the heart is made better. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of the fool is in the house of myrrh. It is better to hear the rebuke of the wise man for a man to hear the song of fools. For as the crackling of thorns under a pot, so is the laughter of a fool. This also is vanity. Surely oppression maketh a wise man mad, and a gift destroyeth the heart. Better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. And the patient in the spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Be not hasty in thy spirit to be angry, and angry for anger resteth in the bosom of fools. Say thou not, what is the cause that the former days were better than these? For thou dost not inquire wisely concerning this. There's really a lot in this passage, but we're going to look through and see seven ways in which Solomon says are better than something else. So let's ask the Lord for his guidance, please. Father, again, as we <coughs> look at this passage, may we again be reminded of what you consider better. And may we not get trapped in the thinking of this world that teaches the temporary things are better. But Lord, may we continue to focus on the eternal, what you have for us. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. A good name is better than precious ointment, he says in verse 1. Now that makes sense. A good name. But you know, people seem not to care about their reputation or their integrity like they once did. But the Bible's view of a good name, Proverbs 15:30, The light of the eyes rejoiceth the heart, and a good report maketh the bones fat. Proverbs 22.1, a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches and loving favor rather than silver and gold. So do you prefer a good name over riches? 
Are you an individual of integrity? When you promise to do something, you say you're going to do it. Are you one who's honest in your dealings? Are you one who has a reputation of being a good person? Now, obviously none of us are perfect, but if I were to go to your coworkers and I say, tell me about, put your name there, what would they say? Would they say he or she is a good person? Now, the world thinks everybody's good. Okay, I get that. But honestly, they would be on, if they were given an honest evaluation, could they say, you know what, that's a person who you can trust? That's a person who really, maybe they don't agree with you, but they could see that you have a love for God. However, they would express that, you know, oh, they're, they're a Jesus freak or they're religious or whatever. They may say, say, but they would see that you have a good name. Is not having a good name and being honest and having integrity more important than even riches and gain? Yes, it is. Because ointment is temporary, but a good name is permanent. Although you and I need to continue to live with integrity, continue to live walking with God so as not to lose that testimony of having a good name because it takes a lifetime to build a testimony but only a moment of foolishness to ruin it. So we need to live life that will bring a good name. The second thing he says is the day of death is better than the day of our birth. He says the day of death than, one's, than the day one's, of one's birth. Now, let me explain this in two ways. First of all, from the point of under the sun, meaning without God, okay, the day you die, it ends all the trials and tribulations and all the, all the aches and pains and everything else you go through in this life. And people think that, you know, well, hey, they're much better off than what they were. The problem is, is apart from God, they're not better off than what they were. And sometimes I even hear Christians getting trapped in this, listen, Hell is a real place, and it's a place of eternal torment, and one who died without Christ is in hell. They're not better off than what they were. So, for a lost individual, this would start an eternity without God. So for them, that day is not necessarily better, is it? So this cannot be referring to that. So this must be referring to then, for those of us who are believers... The day of my death is better than the day I was born. Why? Because the day I die, I'm ushered in the presence of Jesus Christ. And that's going to be a great day. And that's a whole lot better than having been born. Of course, I had to have been born to have lived in order to die to be able to see Christ. I get all that, okay? But that day is going to be a good day. Isn't that interesting how our relationship with Christ changes our whole perspective of life and death? The Christian needs not fear death. Paul says in Philippians 1, and 24, For I am a straight betwixt two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. So for oh, when we die, it will usher us into the presence of Christ. And we can run our race and end with joy. As Paul came to the end of his life, he says, I'm ready. I'm ready to die. I've run my race. He knew he was going to stand in judgment before Christ, but he was ready for the judgment because Paul believed that during his life, he did what he was supposed to do. Verse 2 gives us the third one. The house of mourning is better than the house of feasting. You say, now how is that possible? I like to eat. Because it reminds us of the brevity of life and the importance of living for Jesus Christ today. 
Christian, we need to stop putting off till tomorrow what we ought to be doing today. If you have not been faithful in studying your Bible daily, you need to start today. If you've not been faithful in praying, you need to start today. We need to stop saying, I got tomorrow. You know, I'm not promised tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Seems like I never know what's going to happen any day. I like to get up early so I can have some quiet time before everybody else gets up and the phone starts to ring. Now, I don't mean that as a complaint, okay? I love what I do, but whether it be, you know, somebody in the church have a need, whether it be, you know, the city have some issue or whatever the case may be, it seems like about 9 o'clock, the phone starts to ring and everything I had planned for the day changes. That's fine. But we need to remember what's truly important. There's more to life than just having fun. Psalm 90, verse 12 so teach us the number of our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. The world lives for the weekend. They live for the fun. But we need to remember there's work to be done. Now, it's okay to have times of leisure. But is that our ultimate goal in life is just living for leisure, living for pleasure? There was even a time when Jesus told his disciples to come apart for a while. He knew, he knows, God knows there's times when we got to shut off. That's why he created the seventh day for rest, right? Verse 3, sorrow is better than laughter. Now, there's nothing wrong with laughter. Proverbs 17, 22, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit drieth the bones. And the Christians can have joy. You know, the world sometimes, I think, thinks that we all just walk around, hmm, you know, we never have any joy. We never smile. We never joke. No, that's, we know better than that. But the fool mocks at sin. Christian sin is not funny. And it disturbs me when I see Christians laughing at sin. Proverbs 14, 9, fools make a mock at sin, but among the righteous there is favor. Sin is not funny. Years ago, I was in a Christian school, and we had a dress-up day. And there were two guys... I think it was two guys, dressed up like women. And the principal of the school said nothing. And I went home and I told my mother about it because it really bothered me. I told mom and dad about it. I was like, it bothers me because does not the Bible condemn men wearing women's clothing? And people in school all day laughing, ha, 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 that's funny. I said, am I weird that it troubled me? And my parents went and addressed the principal with it and you know, finally things got corrected. But folks, there's boundaries. And we're not to cross those boundaries. And I don't belong in a dress, right? The trials of life draw us closer to God if we go through those looking to God. So yes, sometimes sorrow is better than laughter because all of us would agree that there's trials of life that we've gone through that have drawn us closer to God, and, and the, that was the only way we could have learned some of those lessons. We would have never learned it if God never took us through the fires. But the wise weeps over the condition of the lost around him. Verse 4, the heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of the fool is in the house of myrrh. When's the last time you weeped over the condition of the lost world around us? Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, he wept over his nation. He wept over the condition of what he saw. And let me tell you something. What we see in our nation is not funny. It's disturbing, but it should drive us to our knees and say, God, be merciful to us. But the foolish try to drown it out with their drugs, 
alcohol, whatever they can. The world hates silence. I don't know about you, but sometimes I just want to turn everything off and just have quiet. I like quiet. Now, other times I do want to turn some music on, okay, because my family doesn't want to hear me sing, so they don't mind me turning some music on so I can listen to it instead of singing it. I was at Walmart years ago. We were unloading trucks, and this manager came and the radio was off and it was quiet and we're just throwing boxes. And he goes, somebody needs to turn that radio on. He just couldn't stand it quiet. I'm like, no, it's fine. Because honestly, I hated the music they played. Number five, to hear the rebuke of the wise rather than the songs of fools. It is better to hear the rebuke of the wise than a man hear the songs of fools. It says in verse five, we need to listen to rebuke. Proverbs 13, 18, poverty and shame should be to him that refuses instruction, but he that regardeth reproof shall be honored. Some do not like to be reproved or corrected. Proverbs 15, 31 and 32, The ear that heareth the reproof of life abideth among the wise. He that refuseth instruction despiseth his own soul, but he that heareth reproof getteth understanding. Jameson Foster Brown wrote, Godly reproof offends the flesh, but benefits the spirit. Spirit, full songs in the house of myrrh please the flesh, but injure the soul. Too often, when people come to another with constructive criticism, trying to help them, trying to help them grow, trying to help them learn, they get offended instead of taking the reproof the way it was intended. I heard a recent example of this in a um, one that had been gone through an interview process and the person was not going to be or the person was um, told after this assessment of this interview that they went through they were called and told what their strengths and weaknesses were in their assessment and the person argued about their weaknesses and said no that's not true now if you have professionals doing this assessment and they say hey here's some weaknesses we want to help you learn we're going to tell you these don't you think you should be thanking them for it But this individual ended up arguing about it instead. And it kind of says a lot about the character, doesn't it? The individual. When constructive criticism is offered, we should take it, right? The jolly of fools is loud and clamorous, but soon over. For as the crackling of thorns under a pot, so is the laughter of the fool. This also is vanity. Now, you ever take some thorns and twigs and things of that nature and light them up? And they start crackling, right? And you, you, you throw them in a fire, especially if the fire's good and hot. You put them in there. They make a bunch of noise, throw a bunch of sparks. It all goes big show, but it doesn't last, does it? It burns up pretty quickly. Where if you take a log, especially a good hardwood, and you throw it on the fire, and that thing's going to sit there and it's going to burn. And, you know, especially if a couple of them together to keep the heat going. They burn and burn and burn for a nice long time. But you take thorns and thistles and stuff like that, throw it in there. Yeah, it puts on a big show, makes a bunch of noise, but it's gone. So it is with the joy of the fool. My time in the Navy, I would watch these guys live from weekend to weekend. They would go and have their fun on the weekend. 
getting drunk and doing all kinds of stupid things. But the problem is, is the fun didn't last, so they had to wait till the next weekend to go do it all over again. I am glad that when I met Jesus Christ, he gives a joy that lasts Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Verse 6, For as the crackling of thorns under a pot, so is the laughter to fool. This also is vanity. Surely oppression maketh a wise man mad, and a gift destroyeth the heart. When the fool oppresses, it tempts the godly to question God. Did this not even happen to John the Baptist? When he's arrested, did he not send two of his disciples to Jesus and say, I want you to go to Christ, I want you to go to Jesus, and I want you to ask him, are you the one we've been waiting for, or are we waiting for another? Why? The oppression of the fools got John to start to question. And of course, Jesus sends the answer back, and John is strengthened again, right? By the word of Christ. By the way, when we're starting to have those questions, where do we need to go? The word of God. But then it says, at the end of verse 7, it says, A gift destroyeth the heart. Exodus 23, 8, Thou shalt take no gift, for the gift blindeth the wise and perverteth the words of the righteous. You want to know why so many decisions are made, foolish decisions are made by politicians today? Follow the money trail, follow the gift, follow the bribery that happens, and you'll figure it out. Let me tell you something. It is amazing to me. I had a call today from uh, evangelist Byron Fox, and uh, he was telling me about a pastor in... Um, near Cabarrus, who's going to be um, running for state house. And so he wanted me to contact this guy, and I called him and talked to him a little bit. But we're, as we're talking, anyhow, talking about bribes, it's amazing to me when you look at people's campaigns and whatnot, who gives to whom, and then all of a sudden what decisions are being made when, it, when you see who gave what to certain individuals. Verse 8, and this is number... Six, better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. Now, this could be applied several ways, but the end of tribulation is patience. As we said before, when we go through trials, we learn to grow closer to God. We learn to be more patient. I think also it could be applied in, you know, if I'm building something, starting the project you got to get all this, the plan. You got to figure it out. You got to start measuring. You got to start cutting. You got to start doing whatever, depending on what the project is. But when you finish it, and Andrew would know this, when it's done, it's good, right? Because you can look at it and say, yeah, I built that. That's done. It's complete. Especially if it's like a house or something. There's a lot of moving parts going into building that. And it's always nice to be able to say, Whew, it's finished. The end's a lot better than it starting out with it, right? And then number seven, a patient spirit is better than a proud spirit. Look again in uh, verse eight. Better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof, and the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Be not hasty in thy spirit to be angry, for anger resteth in the bosom of fools. Say not thou, what is the cause, that the former days were better than these? For thou dost not inquire wisely concerning this. Be patient. I had another lesson in that today. So when I went to the hospital, they, it was a federal holiday. It was Columbus Day. So the VA was closed. So 
when I left the hospital, they said we called in a prescription to Walmart. You need to pick it up because they had given me some antibiotics IV and they give me some steroids already IV. And so I needed to have these oral ones to continue it. So I get to the, get to the pharmacy and they said it's going to be X amount of dollars. And I was like, you know, the VA was supposed to pay for it. But feeling sick as a dog, I didn't feel like fighting it. So I went ahead and paid for it. And the next day I got on the phone with the VA and they said, okay, all you got to do is put together all this information and mail it to this address and you'll get reimbursed. Then two weeks later, I get a denial letter that says you have to go back to the pharmacy and they're going to reimburse you. So I went back to the pharmacy and she called the VA and they said, no, he has to call this number and we'll reimburse him. So I went home and I called that number and they said, no, you have to go back to the pharmacy. So I went back to the pharmacy and they said, and I said, this is a code you're supposed to put in. She tries putting in the code. It don't work. So I came home and I called Congressman Greg Murphy. And it's a miracle how every time when it goes down this path, I end up having to do the same thing. And all of a sudden it gets fixed. So as I'm talking to the VA the one time, I said, why does it seem like every time somebody puts in the wrong code and I get punished for it? And I could hear the lady kind of getting upset. And I was like, I'm sorry. I said, I'm sorry for my bad attitude when I said it that way. I said, but I do find this extremely frustrating that it seems like every time I go outside of the VA, I end up having to do a congressional letter in order to get anything done. And she goes, yep. And she goes, and continue to do so because the only way it would ever get fixed. I was like, okay, thank you. So she calmed down, I calmed down. But it was another lesson in patience that I really didn't want. <laughs> when I called... Congressman Murphy's office, the lady I dealt with, she said, because I told her this isn't the first time I've done this, she goes, the next time you have a problem with them, just come to us first. Don't worry about it. I'm like, okay. Because this is the third time it's happened and I spent over 20 hours dealing back and forth with these situations. And she said, stop doing that. Just come to us right away. That really helped me a lot. I'm like, woohoo! <laughs> Put her number on speed dial. <laughs> There was a time, and I hate to have to admit this, there was a time that I would not realize the individual I'm talking to didn't make the dumb rules they have to follow them to, and I would chew them out as if they were the one that had made the rules. God is teaching me more patience to calm down and realize, unfortunately, the under individual on the other side of the line is not the one who made this dumb rule. They're trying to help me get through this. Therefore, they're not the one to get mad at. Honestly, taking it to the congressman because he's the one who can fix the problem. So keep taking it to him and see, you know, but God helps us grow that way. That's the point I'm trying to get at, right? Instead of getting mad at the wrong people, instead of sitting in front of the TV yelling at it when the news is on, we could turn off the news and then you wouldn't have to yell at it, but get up and do something about it. But again, it's going through those trials that God teaches us patience. None of us like to learn patience, but a patient spirit is much better than a proud spirit. So we need not be hasty. Proverbs 14, 17. He that is soon angry dealeth foolishly, and a man of wicked devices is hated. And then verse 10. Say not thou, what is the cause that the former days were better than these? For thou dost not inquire wisely concerning this. Okay, let me put this in modern vernacular. Stop saying back in the good old days. You know the problem is, those of us that are older look back at the good old days, but you know what? They had their problems too. 
We tend to forget with time the bad aspects and only remember the good parts. But the truth is, those of us that grew up in the 70s, go back and study the 70s. There was plenty of problems in the 70s too. Those of you that grew up in the 60s, there was a ton of problems in the 60s. <laughs> and you can go back to the 50s. They had their own problems. The 40s had a big war. That was a problem. You know, we can go back to any time frame, and there were problems there. They were not the good old days. We sound just like Israel. Oh, back in the good old days when we were in Egypt, we used to sit by the flesh pots and eat those, you know, all that good stuff. Yeah, yeah, remember that? That was really good times. As they have scars all over the back from the beatings they had, but they totally forgot about it. Stop talking about the good old days. They had their own problems. We live today, and we need to take care of things today. God put each of us here for this time. God has equipped each of us for this time. Let's serve this generation as David served his own generation. Let's serve our generation God has given us the means. He's given us the ability to travel. He's given us the technology. And yet I feel like we're not reaching the world like the first century church that didn't have any of this reached the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. What is wrong with us? They didn't have any of it. I would love to bring the Apostle Paul to 2021, and he would probably look at the technology we have and say, why haven't you guys reached the gospel or the whole world with the gospel several times over with what the abilities you have? I had to travel city to city to preach. So stop looking back at the good old days. So seven things that Solomon says are better. Now, Christian, are you and I going to live for the better things? The ones that help put our focus on eternity? Or are we going to live for the lesser things? The ones that tend to focus on the temporal and material things. This is a great passage to go back and study over and over again and be reminded there's things better than what the world is teaching us are so important. And I'll just review and then we'll close. A good name is better than precious ointment. The day of death is better than the day of birth. The house of mourning is better than the house of feasting. Sorrow is better than laughter. To hear the rebuke of the wise is better than the song of fools. The end is better than the beginning, and a patient spirit is better than a proud spirit. I'll tell you what, I know for me personally, focusing on these seven will take a lot of effort because the human nature wants to focus on the lesser and not the better. But someday I'm going to stand before Jesus Christ, and I want to learn to focus on the better so that I can hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Let's make life count for eternity.